Work is changing. The question is, are you? Welcome to 99 Problems But Work Ain't One, the new podcast series from How Now that will help you prepare for the fast-changing world of work. I'm your host, Nelson Sivalingam, and I'll be talking to disruptive startups, contrarian thinkers, global leaders, and real game changers, and asking them the burning questions about the challenges we face at work, from scaling cultures and adopting technology, to improving well-being and building fast-learning organizations that are prepared for the future of work. We get the insight tactics and actionable nuggets of knowledge to put to work. What happens when your company grows from 30 people to more than 100 within a year? A year like no other in living memory. Well, Kevin Valencia, the head of people, and Law St. Pierre, the employee experience coordinator, or otherwise known as the happiness officer of Livestorm, join me to answer that exact question. From finding the right talent fast and onboarding them remotely to building a remote culture where people feel both connected and able to disconnect. It was great to hear about their challenges, learnings and winning tactics that you can apply in your organisation today. So here it is, my fascinating conversation with Kevin and Law. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to dive straight in because firstly, congratulations. It sounds like um, in a very, very tough year, um, you've managed to do incredibly well. Uh, And we talk about this typically at How Now, we call it survivor guilt. It's where times are tough, but you've managed to pull out and, and do really well. And so congratulations. You went from a team of 13 to a team of 100. Maybe you've added a few more since we had this. Yeah. Um, but that, that's incredible. So I want to start with where do you start, <laughs> right? Where do you start when you're going from 30 to 100? Um, how do you approach that? How do you hire so quickly? Just take me to the starting point. How do you go from 30 to 100? Yeah, first of all, it's not easy to scale that quickly. Uh, you need to make sure that you have the right teams in place, that you have the right person in each team, et cetera, et cetera. So, Basically, we just uh, start with the business needs uh, and what new tech features the company needs, uh, what kind of new territories sales need, et cetera, et cetera. So what we do in the HR team, we just uh, sit down with uh, all of the head offs and manager and ask them, what do you need to be successful in your projects, in your goals for, for the next year? So it's just a mix of headcount um, planning and talent calibration. Uh, basically based on our uh, tech and sales roadmap. So, yeah. And you guys did this all within less than a year. Uh, And so, uh, you know, once you've had that conversation, just hiring good people is hard enough, but hiring good people fast is is really a monumental challenge. So how do you tackle that? Well, we have to bring new, uh, new, new, new recruiters to the mix. what we do, what's something that's super important to us, is the cultural fit. So when we recruit like new candidates uh, and new um, new employees, we make sure that our CEO kind of check with them uh, at the end of the recruitment process, just like a five, 10 minutes call, just to make sure that it's we are on point with the cultural fit. And your CEO would speak to every single person you, you hire? Yes. And, yeah, and yeah, how basically. long do you think that would go for? You know, what number do you think that stops? We've been trying to do it so far, uh, but I think we will have to stop at some point because, I mean, when you have like uh, maybe like, uh, I don't know, like 100 
uh, candidates per quarter. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of time to our CEO to make sure to have that phone call with them. So I think we're going to have to stop. But the more we have tenure people in the company, the more we are um, okay with them checking the cultural fit. So it's just like training people internally to make sure that they know what we need and they know what we want. And you know what, that, that I find is such a hard part, right? Like a culture fit is sometimes, it's, it's hard to put your finger on it. And, and often companies try to kind of codify it, right? So in the same way you said, other managers also know what they're looking for. And yeah. what does that process look like? like? How have you guys managed to kind of codify this culture? And what have you learned in that process? Well, uh, you cannot be 100% right, that's for sure. Sometimes you have to be okay to make some mistakes in the recruitment process, and that's okay. Uh, we tend to tell our people, okay, you can do mistakes, that's fine, I, as long as you learn from them. Um, so what we do, we just train our hiring managers to just be good recruiters because it's it's real job to be a good recruiter. And if you ask a tech manager to hire for his team, maybe it's going to be the first time that we, he will have to hire for, for the team. So we just put them through um, trainings on how to ask questions and how to not uh, be biased by some stuff. So it's, it's a long process at the beginning. So we are sure that the recruitment process is smooth and we can like find the right candidates for the position. And, and so, Kevin, how would you define the culture? When you say culture fit, uh, give me a few points to say, hey, this is what we're looking for. And if someone shows us this, then, then they're a good culture fit. Well, we need some people that just love to work um, in a very fast-paced company, of course. Uh, we are on a scale-up stage, so we need to work fast. But also people that love challenges, uh, people who kind of keep it simple. Uh, that's also very important to us. Someone who's not afraid to share feedbacks. Uh, we are trying to be as open as possible and as transparent as a company. Uh, so it's it's a mix of everything. Ideally, if that person has some experience in the in the tech world, that that's amazing. Uh, but it's not what we are looking for exactly. It's it's really like it's it's a vibe that we are getting from 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 the candidate. Yeah, and, and you know, often at this size, when you're trying to find that culture fit, and and we have this, we talk about this challenge internally where. You know, I almost find we've got our longest member of our team who is a great representation of our culture. And I always think if I got that person to, to speak to them and they came back to me and said their culture fit is probably a good indication. But yeah. there, there are inherent problems with that approach, right? Which is uh, the big one we're looking at is kind of unconscious bias. Is exactly. just attracting people who uh, or only hiring people who are similar to us? How do you get around the kind of unconscious bias? Um, and, and also... Sometimes at this kind of scale-up phase, you're, you might have a management team who are managers for the first time, right? So they're probably hiring for the first time. So how do you also make sure they are trained to be aware of unconscious bias? How do you tackle that? That's, that's a very good question. Uh, what we do, we talk to our hiring manager on a daily basis on any kind of challenge they can have. Uh, I try to push my teams to go outside and talk to, to, to the hiring managers and the managers overall, just to explain to them that we are not trying to hire clones, otherwise it's going to be boring. We are on a like scale-up situation, so we need to hire fast. But sometimes you also have to hire for the future. So if you don't have like the perfect candidate that you think will be like super autonomous at the beginning, that's fine. 
try to think for the future. And maybe that person doesn't have like the right, I don't know, diploma from this specific school or never worked on that specific project, but that's fine. Maybe that candidate has other beautiful qualities that can be super successful for us on the long term. So sometimes you have to bet on this type of candidates. And that's something that I'm trying to tell my team to share to our managers. Right. And I guess that recruitment is just to start, right? You, you, once you've hired, you're, you're onboarding this many people. And yes. so, you know, what did onboarding look like? I imagine at, at 30, um, there are probably no kind of workflows and processes. It's, it's probably quite hacky in terms of the way you're doing onboarding, but you can't, I'm assuming, not do the same when you're growing to 100 and beyond. So what does that onboarding process look like? Well, uh, it's been a big, big project project for Laura and I for, for the past six months <laughs> since I've joined. So basically, uh, we have been redesigning the whole onboarding process. Uh, we couldn't keep the same format, of course. Um, we had when we hired only like people based close to Paris or in France who could just travel to the office and have the face-to-face -face onboarding. So we decided to uh, shift all of our process and basically say, okay, we want all of our employees, wherever you are based, if you are based in France, based in the US, based in, I don't know, Mexico, to have the same experience as a new hire. So we are trying to work in a asynchronous kind of type of thing. Uh, so we ask our um, manager that, that, that has been doing the, the, the onboarding to kind of um, record videos and so, so people can watch them when they want. We don't have to be worried about time zone, et cetera, et cetera. And then we also have time uh, dedicated, live time dedicated for, for, for the new hires so they can meet with each other, they can ask questions. We, ha we have a lot of Q&A sessions planned, uh, but yes, it's tough. Uh, we had to change everything. Uh, we didn't want to be too like um, European centric. Uh, we didn't want uh, for our other employees to feel like they are missing out because they are like nine hours ahead of us or nine hours behind us in terms of time zone. So we changed everything. Um, so yeah, and we are launching our new onboarding uh, in a couple of weeks. So hopefully it's going to be a success. <laughs> but I think, I mean, from the feedbacks that we receive from our current employees, it was time that we changed. Right. And that sounds like a lot of change, right? And Law, maybe you can t tell me a bit more about this. You know, to go from a team that's all from a certain radius of, of the office to now you're you're kind of hiring across time zones. Um, how does that kind of how do you make sure when they're onboarding they still feel a part of of the team, right? That they they they're still getting the experience that you would get if I walked into the office on the first day and I met my team, I go for a coffee, right? How, how do you recreate that? We try to do it as much as we can with uh, those uh, live times uh, with the teams and we have uh, small activities and everything. And also what we did uh, from the beginning is that at uh, for every new Stormy, like Stormy are the people working in Livestorm, um, we meet every new people joining the company at the end of his or her first months, just to be sure that everything is going on, that there is no adjustments needed, and also to get their feedbacks about their first months and to get their ideas. A lot of people are coming with uh, ideas of what they did before on other companies and they bring 
it to Livestorm, and this is how we also uh, evo made evolve uh, the onboarding process. So, for example, we added a live training of the Livestorm product for the new Stormies, which was something that it was an idea brought by uh, people during that meeting. Right. And, and so I guess, you know, you've, you've onboarded 70 new people within a short period of time. I imagine you've tried and tested different things. Some things have worked, some things haven't worked. So kind of looking back on that experience now, what are the things you think have worked and you would recommend to someone else uh, if they're looking at kind of remote onboarding? And what are the things that didn't work for you uh, and why didn't they work for you? One thing that is really important, but uh, we have to say it, is that people need to have the all equipment for their first day. So we have to send it. And this is something that uh, new uh, people joining are sometimes surprised, but this is something that is really important. And what we didn't really have uh, at the beginning and we created, uh, because uh, it was something really needed, is that we created a, a welcome page with all the steps the new onboarding has, has to follow. And it was it was really something missing at the beginning because we were used to have people at the office uh, meeting people for real. And when you start uh, remotely, it's not always easy to know what to do at, at uh, on your first day to know uh, who you have to meet to know what what will be your schedule so this is something we we created uh, we created the onboarding page with all the steps people have to follow so they arrive and they know what they have to do and they know the organization of their first week and everything right and how do you manage with the time zones, right? If there's no restriction and you could be across different time zones, how do you make sure, you know, I get you're saying you're moving towards more kind of asynchronous way of working, but a lot of the time the, the kind of, I guess, the socializing happens synchronously, right? So how do you line that up? How do you make that happen? Well, we try to make sure that all of our employees have the same experience. So if we have to record a video, it will be for everyone it is it's not just for people outside of france um but what we do and what laura is great at is just creating new ways to find new inspirations i don't know if she does it but she does it super well uh she's very creative in a way of like making people together um and they feel connected so we have coffee time we have um the buddy program so basically when you are a new hire you will have a buddy, uh, someone that has been in the company for quite some time, and that person will be your point of, of contact for any questions. Uh, not questions that should be for your managers or HR, but like the questions that sometimes you feel like you cannot ask because you're, you, you're the new guy in the company and you feel like maybe it's going to be like a stupid question. So we have that budget program and it works really, really well. Uh, so it's also a way for people to bond together, especially if the buddy is not from the same team. And we try to ask our managers, please give from someone from another team. So if you are in tech, maybe we'll have someone in sales. If you are in sales, you can have someone from HR, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a way for all of us to create a connection between teams, even though we are not seated together in the same office. Right. And and the, the people who were there originally, in the, the kind of original 30, right? And... How are they feeling? Because obviously you've 
shifted from they were used to the office life and, and a certain way of working. Um, and now you're um, moving towards an, an asynchronous remote kind of uh, workforce. How have they found it? And, and, you know, when they because they've got something to compare against. Right. In, in terms of and what's the kind of feedback you've been getting from from that group of people? It, it's not something that is was totally new for Livestorm because even um, before uh, the first lockdown and the COVID crisis, we had people who were working remotely uh, full time. So we were used to, to, to the, this organization. We had um, a third of the company working remotely full time. So we had the tools and we were used to communicate this way and we were used to have um, remote uh, moments together. So this is not something that was totally new and that we discovered with the crisis. So yeah, we grew a lot, but our organization didn't change that much. Yeah, in terms right, right. of, of sharing with people. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sense. And, and just to kind of dive into the kind of asynchronous working, right? Because this is right now, a lot of people are thinking about this. There's, there's a lot of debate and a, and a lot of kind of commentary around this idea of going back to the office, carrying on remote, hybrid workforce. And, and, and I often find it's less about where you're working and more about how you're working and a big part of that is are you working synchronously or asynchronously and if you're working synchronously then do you work through you know virtual channels like this or do you go into an office and so a lot of organizations weren't really prepared for asynchronous working so talk to me a bit about what are the challenges you faced by shifting to asynchronous working and what are the the benefits you found as a result of shifting to to asynchronous working that that's a very good question uh, i think the main challenge is to um let people know that it's okay to not be connected 24/7 because that's the risk when you have people from all over the world on different time zones basically you can work all day long because it never stops. You would see people like online on Slack, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So you have to train your people that they do their working hours and that's fine. If they receive a message on Slack or an email, that's fine. They, this email or this message can wait the following day. So it's just to make sure that people don't feel like the guilt of not answering right away. So we are trying to make sure that it's clear and we want people to kind of disconnect from, from work especially working from home. Um, it's really hard sometimes just to divide your personal life and your working life. So we are pushing a message on, on Slack and, and during meetings, etc. please disconnect, wait until tomorrow if you need to, if you need to, to reply right. to someone. But luckily now we do have like great tools. We have Slack, we have Notions, um, a lot of things. Even, even Law created some different time so people can jump in if they want to, 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 to work together on a project. But if, if it's not working, they can work on another time zone, extra, extra. So it's just being okay with the fact that not everyone can work together at the same time. You have to be okay with the idea. Right. And, and it takes time. <laughs> and Kevin, do you still have like core working hours for everyone? Or, or, or is it quite flexible in the, in the sense that just get the work done when you do it is, is, is up to you. How, how do you manage that? 
Yeah, we are trying to switch that situation actually uh, because in the past, uh, Lifestorm was really proud and saying, okay, uh, we are only doing 34, 35 hours per week. That's that's the that's the legal amount of working hours uh, in France, uh, which is really hard to do because 35 hours is not that much, especially in our tech world. Yeah. Um, but yes, we have now that we are everywhere in the world, we have to be more flexible, meaning that you don't have to be connected from nine to five. Uh, if you have to, I don't know, like do something personal during that time, that's okay, as long as you finish working on your on your project. So we are trying also to be more flexible on that, but we really try also to not get people to work too many hours as well, because I don't think it's, it's great that people work too many hours. Uh, I think it's actually the opposite of what you're trying to, 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 to access. Uh, you need to make sure that your people work right just enough the enough time and 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 they are doing great on their on their projects so it's a fine balance between being flexible but also making sure that people don't like overdo stuff which, yeah, can, so which can be the case sometimes just kind of going back to the asynchronous thing what what are the benefits right like what why do you think if someone else is is kind of out there listening to this thinking do, do we go down this async route um what are the benefits what would you say I mean, I would say just look at your own experience when you were on lockdown and you had to take care of your kids and probably your partner was, was also working from home. Maybe you needed time in the day just to log off and go for, I don't know, like for a, a walk outside of your home or be in your garden and not work. Maybe from 10 to 11, you needed your own time for mental health. So I think that's that, I mean, COVID forces us to change the way we're working now. Uh, and that's okay to disconnect during working hours. Um, I mean, if you have to do it, just do it. Uh, and then you can um, log in back and, and, and carry on your, your, your duties. But yes, I think that's something also that, that was kind of the cyber lining of, of COVID is if you have to, lo to log off from work during, during your working hours, that's fine, do it. Uh, what, is, what is super important is your mental health. So you can be like super successful in a role. You have to also be in a great, peace of mind so yeah uh, something else also um, that that was great being asynchronous is that we were able to hire people that we wouldn't hiring basically because they were located I don't know in yeah somewhere else in another country with another culture so we we, we are able to brought different cultures and different different visions uh, into our teams which is which is amazing yeah that's a great way yeah. of looking at it right like the, the idea that remote working is actually quite conducive for building a, a diverse and inclusive team because you are now opening up the pool of people beyond just your local area, right? And and yeah, that's that's an incredible way of looking at it. Yeah, we are a small country. So, I mean, schools are, I mean, tech schools are basically all the same. Business schools are all the same. So we don't want to have clones in our company. And if you want to be like, and we are trying to penetrate other markets. So you have to also to bring in culture that understand this market. So it's also very important to be open to hire like people from other backgrounds. It, it, it probably requires, well, it does require like a change of management style and uh, approach, right? Because I was speaking to a, a friend of mine recently who used to work in a consultancy and he, he was telling me about a work culture where if the partner was in the open floor office, you would stay in the office until the partner left, right? Yeah. Even if you didn't have any work to do, you'd stick around because you wanted the partner to know you were working long hours, right? And, and it was this kind of old world of 
you were working hard if you're there for long hours and it wasn't necessary as much as we spoke about deliverables and outcomes because they didn't necessarily have a framework for effectively measuring those outcomes. Actually, the outcome they were looking at was, was ours, right? And, yeah. and so this is quite a change in approach for, for, for managers. How do you equip your managers for, from, for essentially leading and managing remote teams? Yeah, what I say to them is, okay, you don't have to work long, you just have to work smart. So if you do something in two hours instead of four, amazing, then you can focus on something else or you can log off and enjoy the rest of your day so you're happy at work. And that's also a way to retain people. If they feel like they have a great work-life balance, they will stay with us, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's just making sure that people understand that as long as the projects are done, that's, that's fine. I mean, being connected uh, 10, 11, 12 hours on Slack, I mean, doesn't mean anything. You can be like watching TV, but still have your Slack on. <laughs> so, yeah. it, 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 I mean, working long hours doesn't mean anything, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and Law, I've got to say, you, you've got probably one of the coolest job titles I've come across in, in, in a very long time. But, uh, and, and this is not the first time you've had this title anyway, but the, the kind of general gist is you're, you're the happiness officer, right? Like everyone wants to be happy. And, and so, surely, every company should have a law in their company, right? And so to give us an idea of what, what does that mean? What do you do? Um, some, sometimes people understand the happiness position like something really funny, which, which could be, but I, I think it's really more than that. It's really that providing your, your employee a, a great experience at work is really important and it's not it it goes with activities and events and everything but it's deeper than that you have to provide them the great environment you have to give them the right equipment you have to listen to the needs you have to get their feedbacks and you have to give them the right onboarding process and you have to give uh, them activities and events and moments to be together but i think this is this is something essential and it's a key that your employee feel well in your company and it goes with a lot of things and not only just <laughs> the funny part it, it goes with a lot a lot of of, of things like for example uh, we developed a partnership for the mental health and everything and there are lots of projects and there are lots there are as many projects as there are companies you you also have to listen for your employees' needs, it will be different from a company to another one. So, yeah, that's a, a yeah, really I, beautiful I, position, <laughs> challenging so. position. It, it sounds amazing, and I completely agree. Right, I, I can see the need for why every company would needs to invest in this, but it seems like such a big job, look, right? Because um, it, it's like you said, there's so many facets to what keeps someone happy at work. Um, and so how do you know what to focus on and when to focus on it, right? So how do you try to understand, okay, these are the problems I need to address. Then how do you prioritize those problems? Then how do you figure out what project to put your time into? What's the process there? Mostly, I would say that we listen to the people 
there are a lot of different times that, that could help us on that. We are doing uh, quarter surveys to get feedbacks, anonymous feedbacks from people to uh, know what they like and dislike in the company, so to know what we have to change. We have um, monthly talking times to, to discuss about our organization and what we should change or add or what we shouldn't change at all. So, and we also have, I, I am trying to uh, have coffee with people to get their feedbacks and just discuss about anything. So it helps us to have the pulse of the company, like Kevin likes to say. And we, we can, um, thanks to all of those moments, we can know what to focus on because this is what people need us to focus on. And, and how do you know if it's working? Also, we asking for feedbacks. Um, so th this is really, uh, I think, um, a huge uh, strength of Lyston is that we listen to people and we listen to, to their needs and we are listening to their feedbacks on what we did for their needs. So right. I, I think this it's the only way to know if you do something, the only way to know if it's work is for something you can see it, for example, for an event you can see if people are coming or not, but for others, the only way is to ask them if they like it or not. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, one of the challenges a lot of people have been talking about kind of working remotely is this idea of, is it possible to still build a culture that where you want to work remotely, right? And, and I think it's been challenging. And one of the aspects of it is kind of socials and team activities and, you know, how many quizzes can you possibly do on on on, on Zoom? Um, like I'm sure everyone's general knowledge is is really good after 12 months of quizzes, but that must be challenging in itself, right? So what, how do you how do you bring a bit of variety? How how do you make sure people are getting that social time and alone time, um, especially remotely? Uh, give us some ideas for someone who's listening now. What are some of the things we can? <laughs> It's really difficult, honestly. Uh, you have to challenge yourself. You have to look for ideas. You have to discuss with other people from other companies also to, to get ideas. And mostly you have to try. You, If you find an idea, you have to try if it works for your team or not. For example, we did the coffee breaks and we adjust our organization about that because it was a little bit difficult to manage and we decided to create a live storm room dedicated to, to this purpose so people can join. It will um, send a notification to the whole company and someone else can join if is available. So you have to, you have to try, for example, you, we do board games every Wednesday, uh, remote online board games, and it's something that's really appreciated. It's mostly like drawing and, and everything. So that's really nice. We also um, send uh, small challenges on Slack. Like for example, last year we had the emoji uh, challenge, uh, which uh, people uh, had to guess um, movies and music titles on emojis. Uh, we send a um, picture of the Stormy's baby and we have to find where it is. So, you have to try, you have to look for ideas again and again and try. Uh, and if it works, it's great. And if it doesn't, it's fine. You just have to try something else. So you have to look for ideas and try. 
And again, how do you accommodate the time zones, right? Are you running like the same thing twice for people on, on the other side of the world? And, and like, how are you managing? Are you just trying to find a common time that works for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it depends. Uh, for the small challenges on Slack, anybody can do it when you want. We, we send it and you have one week to answer. So it, it doesn't really matter um, the time zones for that. And for the live um, moments, there are two possibilities. Uh, the first one is, yeah, we try to find common moments to, to share uh, time together. And also people are, are just uh, creating also moments on their own time zone. Right. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> and do you think like, just on your role, um, Lord, like do you see more companies should have this or uh, i don't know Ke kevin what was your kind of take around um you know do you think this is something more companies should have and you don't understand why more companies don't have this like wh what do you, do you see this as a trend that will grow yeah definitely but also you need to listen to your employees uh some i think companies need it some others don't uh but just listen get the pulse from your employees uh, and listen to them try to be as transparent just let them know that you are open to any suggestion and you will try to make them work um also let your employees employees know that it's okay to make mistakes we can try i mean what's the worst that can happen okay nobody show up to the event that's fine then then we won't do it again <laughs> but yeah. yes um just try to engage people as much as possible uh and if they don't want to do it then that's fine also you don't have to force people to to join um like a game or, or something else it's okay to not want it to be part of it yeah yeah i you know, we, I can carry on asking you about this. This is a fascinating topic, right? And there's so many different variables. But I just want to go on to um, a couple of your values that really kind of stood out um, to us. Obviously, we're a learning company. And so we talk about learning and upskilling a lot here at How Now. But um, it seems like you guys do a lot of learning too, because one of the values you had was kind of remaining humble and, and keep learning and a kind of extension of that was kind of be transparent sharing knowledge learnings feedback uh mistakes and, and and really all kind of supporting that growth mindset of you you developing yourself and improving yourself and and where does i guess more broadly speaking how did you guys come up with your values in general right what was the process for that was it just kind of you guys sitting there and coming up with the values or was the rest of the team a part of that so i'd, I'd be really curious to understand what the process of coming up the values were and then this particular value what does it mean to you guys and and how do you see it in practice right like how are people working and living this value uh, at livestorm yeah so the values uh, started before we joined i think uh, it's from the really from the dna from from the four co-founders uh, they really try to create a space work that is um friendly to all uh not competitive um as as open as possible and very humble so that's also something that made me wanted to join the company uh because i was like whoa that's some great 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 values and i remember when i was interviewing i asked Laura uh, because she was part of the panel and i said are those values really in place in the company because i mean they, they can be just words on the linkedin page yeah. so can you tell me if that's that's the truth basically i'm doing like a reference check on the company yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she was like 
you know, I've been there for like, I think we were like for like nine months already. And said, no, 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 they are true. I'm always surprised that even to this day, the values are still are still in the company. And, and that's amazing. So that's also the reason why I decided to join the company. So yes, we are in a very, very competitive market. Um, so we need our employees to be uh, at the top of the games, of course. Uh, plus, it really helps uh, keeping your employee motivated when you give them the opportunity to learn. I think the worst thing that can happen is you are at your job and doing the same thing over and over, and there is no room for improvement or no room for new projects. And that's where you get bored out, basically. And that's how you lose people because they will leave the company to find something more exciting. So it's super important that companies invest on learning. That's, that's I think, should be one of the top priority for, for, for a company. So we are getting there. Uh, we are building stuff. We are creating trainings for, um, for our stormies. We are looking for partners like maybe LMS platform to help us doing that. <laughs> so maybe we can talk about it offline. But yeah, um, that's something that we want to, to invest in because it's, it's really, really important, especially when you're in a remote company uh, where you cannot like learn from, from a coworker who sits just uh, beside yeah. you. So yes, you need something else to help people just improve themselves. Yeah, I mean, look, one more off-schedule question before I go on to the quick-fire question. One of the the kind of other challenges, I mean, building a startup and scaling a startup, they're full of challenges, we we know. Um, But is when you're going from a, a kind of small startup and you're hiring so many people, often startups haven't really spent much time building their employer brand, right? You, you don't really have an employer brand at that size. And so, like you said, it, you're in a competitive space, not just competitive space in your own space, but like in generally, you're trying to hire talented people. So is every company uh, out there. Um, and you, you're fighting against these big brands, big logos. And, and so I guess, what did you guys do to create an employer brand that stands out, cuts through the noise, and attracts good people to join Livestorm. Well, what's been the thinking and approach around it? That's that's a good question. Uh, that's actually part of our um, first half of the year OKRs, <laughs> getting getting to have like the best employer branding for for, for Livestorm. Um, there is stuff that you need to do because all of the other ones are doing it and that's where candidates will look for example glassdoor that's something that you need to spend time um so that's something that we've been working on for for, for q1 uh we are working with great place to work for q2 uh so we are we, we have just started uh this week actually so we received the survey from them and our employees will will do it so yes there are big names like glassdoor and 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 great place to work that you have to because that's where candidates will we look for to get information about your company. You also need to make sure that your LinkedIn page is um, you take the time to update everything. So yes, it, it takes time to build an employer brand, but you have to do it. It's the only way that people external of your company will know about it. Uh, for example, I didn't know anything about LifeStorm when I joined, so I was like, okay, I'm. Okay, that, that, that's fine. I'll do it. I'll jump. <laughs> I'll take the risk. But I, I want people to be uh, comfortable enough to apply uh, to our um, uh, to our jobs so they know that, I mean, we have values. We have uh, a good employer brand. So that's something that we really need to focus on. And it's part of our big, big project for, for, for H1. Right. And, and I have to ask one more question because you mentioned it, Kevin. So I, I, OKRs, right? This is... Um, 
I, I speak to a lot of people, leaders thinking about bringing in OKRs or they have just brought in OKRs. And, and it is quite a shift for, for a company, right? If, if they've never worked really on that kind of objective basis, it's, it's quite a cultural shift or a mindset shift at least. And um, what's that process been like? Were you guys, even before your time, were you, um, were you using OKRs or did you bring it in? And what were the challenges when you were bringing it in? And, and kind of how did you guys overcome and, and really yeah. start using OKRs? We are very lucky um, that our CEO is really like interested and on point with everything HR and people broadly. Uh, so we were lucky enough to have OKRs when we started already. We didn't have to explain the whole process of OKRs to the employees, which is great because sometimes it can be like, oh, what is it again? Some HR projects. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, it's coming from 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 the from the C staff. So it's always easier to just implement stuff when 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 you have the support right. of your CEO. Uh, but yes, we do have OKRs. That's something we are very very proud of. Uh, we are trying to be accountable for our OKRs. And again, if you don't succeed in your OKRs, that's fine. You tried. Maybe you failed because we didn't have enough time, or maybe you are trying to fill big shoes. Uh, so it's fine. If you need two quarters to to validate them. That's fine. You can just like move from Q1 to Q2. So we are trying to put OKRs because that's the good way to put people accountable and team to be accountable to, I mean, to projects they are working on and to be successful. Uh, but it's also okay to fail if you fail. So yeah, yeah it, it's a balance between um, motivate your employees and so they can try new stuff, but also not being like too pushy pushy on 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 the on the outcome. All right, cool. Now it's time to move into our quick fire questions, guys. It's the last part of the show. It's my favorite part. <laughs> I'm going to fire out questions to you and you're going to fire back answers. Um, and sorry, you ready? Yep. All right, cool. The first one is what's the most important skill you think you need to work in the people function or people teams? What's the most important skill? Yeah, that's that's a good fire question because that's something we talk uh, in the past uh, with my team. Uh, I think uh, emotional intelligence uh, is one of the most important skills for, for, for people, especially in the people team. You have to be self-aware. You have to have self-regulation because sometimes you will work on like issues that are nerve-wracking or annoying <laughs> so you have to have that good self-regulation uh motivation of course you have to love a challenge that's 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 very important uh i would say also of course empathy uh put yourself in other people's shoes uh so you can understand better uh, where they are coming from and social skills yeah obviously yeah and, and what about you Law? anything to add to that or is that covering most of them I maybe would add that you have to love challenges <laughs> and and um, look for new ideas all the time. Yeah, yeah. Be creative, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you both um, know today that you wish you knew at the start of your career? Um, good question. I think not to rush things. Uh, and maybe get more feedbacks at the beginning before launching a project. Uh, right. I think earlier in my career, I was like, yes, I'm going to do this and that and this. And I was like doing it like super quickly, super fast. And then people were like, yeah, but are you sure? I'm not feeling it, etc. So now it's more like, okay, I have an idea. 
and you fish for feedbacks. Um, feedbacks, it's, it's a big thing at, at Lifestorm. Uh, yeah. we, did, we did a training for managers around feedbacks and how to get them and what's the purpose of getting feedback. So that's something that I use on my, on my daily job for everything, new projects. Um, yeah, yeah. Hello? <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. And maybe also accept that things could not always work and that it's not always uh, your fault. Like just sometimes things didn't work and you have to find another solution and that's totally fine. Maybe this one. Yeah. And um, one thing companies, you know, someone listening to this right now, one thing they can go and apply um, at their workplace for a better remote culture. Right? One thing they can do today to improve their remote working culture. Um, again, I think be okay to not be working on the same time zone or at the same time. Be okay with that. Be okay with the fact that the company works when you when you are asleep. Yeah. And involve employees in your culture constructions, asking them always uh, feedbacks and ideas and everything. For sure. This, this is a common complaint I hear with sometimes with HR, right? Or even other teams where you work in a silo, you get things done, you put it out there just to find out actually no one wanted this or no, no one needed this. Um, I definitely see that. Um, then in terms of you, you kind of do this monthly talking times and, and that's something you offer up in the job description. What does that entail and and what have you seen is the benefit of of this monthly talking times that's not really a quick fire question but we'll allow it we'll go for it <laughs> yeah um we did it uh for a long time now um we uh, dedicate one hour uh per month to talk with uh people who register to to discuss about a, a specific subjects that concerns Livestorm and the Stormies. Like, for example, we talked about uh, diversity, onboarding process, like keeping the link between people or how to be more green at work. And, and it could be any subject that, that could um, fit with Livestorm's evolution. And um, it, this um, talking time has two main goals. One is to get feedbacks about what we are doing so to know if we are going in the right direction and the second one is to get all the ideas people could have uh, it doesn't mean that we will bring all the ideas to the company but it means that we will study every idea that is given so it's really really important because we we created a lot of things uh, following those monthly talking time and following the the ideas people gave us. So I think this is a, a nice idea to to another way to get feedbacks from from people and to make them uh, be really a part of the company's evolution. Yeah, definitely see that. And um, what's the best bit of advice someone's given you about how to do your job? That's <laughs> really difficult because we are learning every day uh, with everyone uh, on a professional way, for example, with tools, but on a, on a more uh, soft skill ways, uh, we are learning uh, from everybody uh, every day. Uh, working with people and in the people team uh, is, is really um, 
uh, helpful uh, improving ourselves internal soft skills. But I think mostly the the, the thing I've learned the most for the past year is that you have to try and not everything will work for your, your team, but you have to try. You have to accept that it might not work and you have to try again something else and find the best option for you. Kevin? Yeah, I think the best piece of advice I received years ago was keep things beautifully simple. Uh, if you have to explain over and over and over an idea, maybe it's not the right idea. <laughs> so keep it simple, make it work, and get feedback about it. Like it. All right, I'm going to finish with one last quick fire question, which is off schedule. And I think it's a bit of a tricky one, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Is if there is only one metric you can measure to know whether you are doing your job well or not, what would that one metric be? Ooh, excellent question. Um, maybe it would be a metric around diversity, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think if you are at a level where diversity uh, is one of your main focus in a company, that means that you already like you have like great basic basis in your in your company, um, and it also means that the people that are hiring, the mentality of the company, the culture of the company is great. So I think that's something that I think that's to me that's the one of the most important I think yes metric. Yeah, look. It's really difficult. <laughs> um, we, I, I think we have a question in our quarterly survey, which is, uh, do you still working for Livestorm in two years? And I think uh, the answer to this question is really showing how people are feeling in the company. So I, I think I will keep this one. That's a really good question. I'm going to include that in our survey. That, that's a really, really good one. Um, guys, look. Uh, Thank you so much for, for taking the time out. And, and as you can probably tell, I could probably go on for uh, hours asking you guys questions. But you know what? I'll, I'll save that for the next episode when, when you guys are at 1,000 employees and I'm pulling you back in going, how did you go from 100 to 1,000 in a month? Tell me, what did you guys do? And so I'll save that for that episode. But thank you. Thank you very much and, and look forward to, to catching up again. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nelson. Thank bye you bye. very much. Bye. And that's it for this week. As always, you can find out where to connect with Kevin, Law, or myself in the show notes, or just head over to gethownow.com forward slash podcast for everything you need to know about every episode of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please do think about subscribing, sharing, leaving us a review, or telling a friend. It goes a long way in helping the show grow. Thanks, and see you next time.